few years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome to this week's episode of the It's You Tell Us About Podcast. Tom Hack alongside Steve Bartle. Check Steve on Twitter, will you? At sbartle247. You can also find his work at utone.com. Myself at tomcantackle.kslsports.com. This podcast, for those that are just tuning in for the first time, which would surprise us both Greatly, I think we're sponsored by Nate Wade Subaru. Yeah, it's a big deal. Uh, Nate Wade Subaru sponsors this this show. I actually think um, I think we're going to be down there next week. I, I have to anyway. I'll let you guys know. Uh, they they where are they at? 21, 20, Anyway, they're just down State Street, around the corner from uh, Salt Lake City. Twenty one oh seven. That's the one. Twenty one oh seven State Street. Nate Wade Subaru used cars. If you have one, you want to get yourself in a newer model, call them. They'll likely pay you for it. I was speaking to a colleague of mine that drives a uh, she she drives an Outback an SUV Outback and she was saying that she can sell her used car right now for more than she bought it for, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, so they're in stock used cars. Nate Wade Subaru Subarus in general crazy cool. So all right, well this will be a depressing start to the podcast, uh, Steve. Uh, we're going to dissect oh quickly to all of our listeners out there. We're going to do everything in our power to start uploading. These podcasts earlier in the week, we're aiming for Tuesdays. Now that we're in the season, no real point uploading them on Fridays anymore uh, like we are today uh, because the content's really only relevant for about 24 hours before Utah plays San Diego State tomorrow. So uh, so just uh, just a note for all of our, our listeners that uh, we'll be looking to upload these on Tuesdays. But in the time for the time being, we will talk about that Utah-BYU game. And maybe it is good that we're recording this on a Friday and we've, we've allowed ourselves, you know, all of six days to kind of decompress and, um, and kind of figure out the, 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 the catastrophe that occurred down there at Lavelle Edwards stadium. Um, and we will talk about San Diego state because what a massive game that has now turned into when, uh, well, yeah. just maybe a month ago, nobody really thought much of it. Um, but anywho, Steve, let's start BYU. You were down there. You've had a week, nearly a week, I should say. First of all, how are you feeling personally? Uh, and then if you could go on to, you know, more of the game and, and the atmosphere and, 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 and everything, sure. you know, I'd love to hear your experience from, from being in the press box. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, a week. And it's, it's just kind of weird, right? You, you go into that game with, you know, full expectations that Utah is just going just gonna, to, you know, However, it's going to happen. 10 is coming, right? Like that, that was the mindset heading into that thing. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk about Utah football coming into the season and what they were going to look like. And, you know, as the game unfolded and now a week later and, and uh, you know, we've 
talked a lot about it. We've watched film about it. Like really Utah just, Utah just kind of got caught flat footed, you know, as best as I can say. And I, I think obviously there's a lot that goes into that. It wasn't just that they were, you know, <laughs> caught flat footed, like, it, you know, from the game plan to the emotion, just everything was just not in Utah's favor that game. And I think, you know, that's, you know, if you're a coach, it's interesting. I think it provides a little early season adversity. And, you know, as a coach, you can use this as, as an opportunity, a game, a moment to really kind of rally the guys and rally the troops. I remember back to that 2019 team and, you know, this is a, a very different team than that group. But after that USC loss, you know, that, that, that group reeled off however many straight, right? Like they just kind of came together and, and, and played well the rest of the way. And I think, you know, if you're, if you're a Utah fan, you're hoping for a similar kind of effect. Obviously we, Utah has got some, some big games coming up in a couple weeks. Obviously this week still, you know, don't want to look too far ahead. Uh, with this team anymore, but you've got San Diego State this week. You got you've got Washington State the following week. I think Utah's got two weeks to really kind of settle in. I think that's kind of an important thing here is is guys settling in into their roles, into the offense, into the defense, into you know, just everything. Um, so uh, you know a lot to a lot to really dive into. You know in terms of what went wrong you know, with their play, but, you know, overall, like, man, give BYU, their fan base, a, a ton of credit, man. Like I was on the sidelines for the game and it was, it was loud. It was, it was packed. It was loud. They were, they were in there snug, you know, nice and tight uh, at eight fifteen. they were ready for kickoff. And I think that crowd really, really did have an impact on that game. So, you know, credit to, to BYU credit to them for, you know, getting that monkey off their back and getting that first win in however many years. Um, but, you know, if you're Utah, like, the, the, the rivalry is important, but in terms of your goals and what is, is really important, this still has no bearing on, on what you can accomplish this season, right? This doesn't impact their, their chances at a Pac-12 championship Obviously, their play does, <laughs> like, and, and all of that. So that's going to be the the big thing is not just bouncing back, but how they bounce back this week is going to be really interesting for me. You know, is it a team that you know kind of I don't want to say struggles their way to their win, to a win, but do they have to grind their way, or do they just come out and and you know have something to to prove to themselves to to everybody? You know that this is a team that can win the Pac-12. So, um, pretty wild experience last Saturday. I didn't I didn't get home till three thirty a.m. that night. Um, but man, it was uh, it was a tough game in Utah. You know, obviously they they played horribly, played you know horribly on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, and it was still just a nine point nine point game, right? And and and, and so. You had guys like Mackay Bernard kind of step up and keep Utah in that thing, but you know, a lot of things to work on for sure. Yeah. Uh, well, they were minus two in the turnover margin. That's the right. recipe for success. They only ended up with, I think, 51 offensive plays, which is like the least 
you know, since, oh, I want to say a decade. I mean, like the, the 51 offensive snaps is is very, very little. Two turnovers obviously played pretty big role in all of that. They also had a couple really pivotal three and outs. Um, so let's start here, Steve, um, because I don't, I don't want to, over over overreact or over exaggerate necessarily. I, I for the record still still believe that this Utah team has something special in them. You know, now right. I didn't anticipate them to play as poorly as they did against BYU, but I will say I, I was not surprised BYU played in the way that they did. I, I thought going right. into that game, BYU was, was was better than I think most people around here were giving them credit for. And I think that showed. I think I think Tyler Algier at the at the tailback position is a bull. I think Jaron Hall is formidable. Uh, and I know small sample size, I get it. I just think Jaron Hall has something about him. He's dynamic. They've got the Nakua brothers who are proven right. wide receivers at the Pac-12 level. I mean, I just think, I thought going into this, like I thought Utah was going to win, but I, I, I did think it was going to be close. Um, now, Utah obviously played really quite poorly. And you mentioned on both sides of the ball. I think the big concern, Steve, for most people has got to be the offense because, yep. and again, I don't want to overreact because I, I hate overreacting. It, it, it happens sometimes, and I apologize because I, I, I can be susceptible to doing it. So I'm going to try my best not to. But, but the offensive prowess or execution at Utah football has always had a question mark around it. And it's not because it has been bad, Steve. It hasn't been bad under Carl Whittingham or at Utah under whatever offensive coordinator they've had. It's just been pretty stale and it's been pretty easy to predict. And what what I mean by that is that they've always just had a really solid running back that's carried the vast majority majority of the pressure. That's my opinion. This year, they don't have that yet. And although Micah Bernard may turn into that, he's not there yet. So they're forced to find their playmakers, and their playmakers are on the outside. Brant Keith is probably the number one target on the offensive side of the ball atop San Diego State's you know, scouting report, I have to assume. He is the player that they need to watch. And then Britton Covey comes shortly after that. And Dalton Kincaid's making a case for himself. And um, Jalen Dixon's got a lot of speed and has has done some. My, my point is they've got so much talent on the outside right. and we just haven't seen it be utilized to how we would like it to be utilized. Really, well, I don't know how many years you'd have to go back. They were pretty good under Tyler Huntley, but even then, Steve... Zach Moss was the face of that offense. Tyler Huntley was not the face. Tyler Huntley played a big role, but Zach Moss was the face of the offense back then. So so my concern here is how on earth are Utah going to find something offensively when they don't have a ball in the backfield yet, their playmakers are on the outside, and they're beat up and not gelling well on the offensive line? That is not... Good. They've got to figure it out, and they don't have much time. This is a big test against San Diego State, and and I I, I think most Utah fans would agree. Yeah, no, it definitely is, and you know San Diego State. This is a team that you know they they have <laughs> a very good defense you know, in their own light, uh, in their own in their own right, I should say. Um, you know, it's a, it's a defensive unit that has consistently produced um, you know NFL draft picks, one or two, three, you know 
every every year, every couple years or so. So it's a team and a program that has talent in it that has you know an identity. You know they're a defensive team that uh, wants to get after you. This is an aggressive defense that is going to blitz and and, and bring a lot of pressure, uh, which is obviously something that caused Utah headaches against BYU was the pressure in the passing game. But, you know, it, it, I, I'm with you, Tom. I, I think, you know, b- before the game or, yeah, when we recorded last week, I think I had my prediction at like 35-27 or 35-24. Yeah. So the fact that, that, you know, that BYU ended up with 26, they obviously missed an extra point, so that would have been 27. No, that didn't surprise me. It it was very surprising that Utah wasn't able to score, you know, 30 points on, on that BYU defense. And give the Cougars credit. Um, you know, they they had an aggressive game plan. They had, you know, a blitz scheme that really attacked Utah and 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 made it difficult for, for the Utah offense to kind of find their rhythm. Um and so from that, like you know, Utah has to they've they've got to not necessarily embrace, but they've just like I said, they've got to settle in. And when I watched over the film, like the way I look at pass protection is not only just the five offensive linemen, you know, obviously they are the the main focal point of pass protection, but routes and route structures and route concepts, all of those are are tied to pass protection, right? So right. Charlie Brewer, you know, if if we're dealing with a five-man protection where we've got five offensive linemen and BYU brings six, that they're outnumbered. And and the offensive line, they can't block that six guy because they're blocking, you know, there there's only five, right? And so if you're Charlie Brewer, he's got to be responsible for that six guy blitzing and he's got to get the ball out quickly. Um, that's on him. Or it's on the running back, you know, in the backfield with him. He's got to be able to identify that blitzer that's coming and, and pick him up. And that's kind of where the issues were in, in the past in the passing game is they they just weren't they weren't meshed. They, you know, they weren't meshing together, you know, concepts to pass protection. They missed some 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 blocks, mix missed some blitz some some blitzers and that kind of stuff. So it was just it was just again they've got to settle in. Charlie Brewer has to settle in. He's got to. Um, he's got, like he was praised all off season for his ability to process information and to digest things and read things and identify things. And we didn't see that, you know, at BYU. That was a game where that's where that experience and. And all of those reps and snaps that he's played, that's where that's supposed to come in handy is against is in a game like that where you've got heat coming at you. You've got to know where to go with the ball and get it out of your hands quickly. And, and so that to me was kind of the, the biggest disappointment in the game um, was, was just that Charlie Brewer wasn't able to, to do that. And so obviously it's hard, right? Like, the, like the very first series, he's got guys in his face on third down and he, you know, he's got to throw it away and unfortunately throws it to Chaz Ayu for an interception, which, which sucked. But, you know, that's an, that's a, a play that an experienced quarterback like he is should not make. Um, so, uh, you know, it, how much better can he play? 
you know, after going through that last week, the offensive line, how much better can they be in terms of their ability to identify those twists and stunts, um, as well as the running back, you know, how, how, how much better can he be in picking up that blitz, um, to protect the quarterback, all of this, everything should be designed to protect the quarterback. And that's guys blocking and that's guys running routes. And I think there, there was a little disconnect between the two, um, and just the poor execution just was was kind of the 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 overarching issue uh, on Saturday. So you know the Utah offense they've got to have a really good performance this week um, to kind of rebuild that confidence. It's really um, oh, it's a fascinating conversation because it wasn't that long ago, Steve. You and I were talking on this podcast about how over the years the offensive line has taken a few weeks. Yeah, uh, it just uh, under Jim Harding. For whatever reason, you know, they just take a few weeks because there, there are no practice games. Uh, it's literally full camp where you scrimmage against one another into a live game atmosphere with 63,000, you know, uh, uh, fans from the opposing right. team screaming down your throats, you know, and, and the level of competition is different because, you, you know, when, you, when you're scrimmaging against your own team, I mean, I'm, I'm not breaking any news here, but you know, after, after about a month of it, uh, it's pretty easy to like figure out what the defense is trying to accomplish, what the offense is trying to accomplish when you're out there every day doing it. So, I mean, it's just, there are so many variables that come into play. Uh, and it seems like, again, this year, and again, injuries have played a role on the offensive line, but, but they are taking some time. Now, here's the concern, Steve, um, and I'd love to hear your thoughts. You know, like, so San Diego State, for example, uh, if they rush the ball well, they're a good chance to beat you. Uh, if they if they if they can get after the quarterback, uh, they'll also have a pretty good chance to beat you. San Diego State has to be turning on that film of BYU Utah and go bloody hell, we're pinning our Let's ears eat. back this week. Let's eat. Let's yeah. go. And so and so if Utah can't figure out how to stop the blitz or how to get the ball out of the quarterback's hands fast enough or how to check a play into something that works better. Um, when pressure comes, I mean, it, 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 it's going to be difficult. Yeah. It's, it's going to be difficult. And so I think we are going to learn, and I love this about sport, but we are going to learn so much. We learned a ton about Utah last week. We're going to learn even more, Steve, this week. Um, even if the opposition may not be as talented as BYU, they're certainly a threat. And if things yeah. go their way, um, you know, crazier things have happened in, in this sport in particular. So, uh, I, I'm really intrigued to to kind of see how it all unfolds, um, to see how much trust they have in Charlie Brewer as well, because I thought as the game went on, I would have liked to see, you know, maybe just a few more attempts to throw the football than what they did. They kind of, and this has kind of been Cole, Cole ammo, I guess, over the course of his career. But when, when it gets tight, when adversity hits, you know, the fourth and two play was a pretty good example of that. Like, yeah pretty basic play, you know, to, to, to kind of unleash in, in a pretty critical moment. And when you go back and look, that fourth and two, that stop BYU got, it was in the second quarter, I think. Um, if they had settled for a field goal there, I mean, late in the game, you know, it's a, it's a one-score game and not a two-score game, and that yeah. changes everything. Yeah. So, so it'll, look, it'll be fascinating. I, I still believe that this team has something in them. But if they can't get over San Diego State, Steve, I am... Um, I don't know. I don't. I mean, we'll be back doing the podcast, but um, I, I don't know if I would know what to say. Like, is it 
yeah you know, it would be it would be detrimental <laughs> i i really yeah. think it could be detrimental <laughs> like the magnitude of this game is really big it's yeah. really no, big it... and I, I don't want to put too much more pressure on the guys but it's like back-to-back non-conference Gotta losses get in a season where yeah. a lot of people pegged you to potentially win the whole bloody conference i mean it it's not yeah. over with the San Diego Very. State loss, but it basically is over. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty, be pretty ugly. It, it'd be a pretty ugly scene, you know, for Utah fans on Twitter, at Ute Zone, at KSL Sport. It would be pretty ugly. Um, <laughs> uh, so you know, yeah, I, I'm I'm with you, Tom. Like this Utah team, they've got a lot. They have a lot to prove this Saturday, and the Utah offense in particular. They have to have a much better showing, um, you know, and again, for me, I hate to harp on him, but it starts with Charlie Brewer. Uh, you know, he's, he's got to be better as much as this is about the offensive line. Um, uh, Charlie Brewer's performance is, is very important this Saturday. He's got to showcase that he can be a guy that can, you know, produce and produce big. So, what do you what do you expect? What are you expecting? If if you were in the shoes of, of, of Andy Ludwig, what 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 is the game plan you're drawing up, Steve? Are you are you looking to try and get out of the gates early and then showcase the confidence in the quarterback by by throwing the football a lot? Or are you are you just trying to fill the game? Like what are you trying to accomplish? You know, I, I'm so I'm trying to instill confidence in Charlie Brewer. I'm trying to get Charlie Brewer to to forget about last week to move forward and to, to showcase that he can be the guy to lead Utah to uh, a season. And so, you know, if that means starting small, like they did against Weber state where you're, you're dumping it off to Mackay Bernard out in the flat and just allow him to kind of create yards. So that way you kind of, you know, you're, you're starting, you know, in the shorter areas of the field and then gradually working your way down like that's, that's that's how I would approach the passing game. But, you know, this San Diego State team, like, they are small up front, and they're going to attack gaps. Um, you know, you you may want to establish the run. Uh, and with Mackay Bernard, Tavion Thomas, like, obviously you want to, to show that you're confident in them and that, you know, they that you believe in them and that they can be the guys. But for me, I'm trying to get Charlie Brewer started and get him going and get him, you know, feeling good, feeling confident, um, you know, get these playmakers involved. I I want to the biggest concern from last week was what happened in the passing game, the lack of production um, last week. That's that's my biggest concern. And I want to come out the gate and and start strong there and kind of ease some of those those. I, I don't want to call them fears, but concerns, I guess. That's that would be my approach. No, I, I, I think it's savvy. I, I think it's I think it's smart. It it makes sense. Um I would certainly instill confidence in my in my players as as best as I can as well, because confidence is certainly going to be lacking after after being beaten by your rival for the first time in I think it was twelve years. Um and so confidence is and, and confidence is a very, very powerful thing in the world of sport. And I don't care what sport you play. Uh, if you've got confidence, you've got mojo, you've got something working for you. And when you come up against a player or a team that doesn't, it's pretty noticeable. So um so instilling confidence is, is gotta be is gotta be a priority this week. Defensively, Steve. Boy, last week was strange. It just didn't look right. Now here's 
here's what we need. We need to credit BYU because that offensive line for BYU is not bad. I mean, that's a good offensive line. That, and they played with one another for, for, for a reasonable amount of time, at least. You know, like the, I think MP, you know, I think MP is a good player. He'll have a chance of playing in the NFL. I think they've got a bunch of good players on the offense. But Steve, what's going on up front defensively with Utah? They they couldn't get they couldn't get after Jaron Hall to save them until they're no push, which is so unlike a Carl Winningham led team. That is also a concern, I think, as you enter San Diego State and uh, and the Pac-12 Slater games upcoming. Any concern for you, or you were just like one-off game, not that big of a deal. No, I mean, it's it's a concern, but it's a concern in the fact that it's not so much about the players, but about the game plan. Um, you know, like Utah's known, out. Let's that, go. Utah's known for that cage rush, right? That that discipline contain where they're just trying to collapse the pocket. And, and yeah, I mean, Utah's had success with it in the past. Um, but I've always struggled with it because – you have a dominant offensive line or defensive line. You've got big guys. You've got athletes. Like for me, I'm letting these guys get after it. I'm, I'm letting these guys like God is like, obviously I'm not just giving them the green light to do whatever they want. Like obviously their structure, play calls, responsibilities and that kind of thing. But I just, I didn't love the approach that they took in the game with, with the, the cage rush, with the containment, um, I think guys were kind of stuck between getting after the quarterback and and focused on keeping him in the pocket more so than just you know getting after him. Um, and so I, so that's that for me is kind of where I struggle with it. Like yes, it's a concern because they they got zero pressure on him and made that BYU offensive line look great. But man, I would just I would love to see Utah just be as aggressive as some of these other defenses that they face, you know, just getting after the quarterback and, you know, yeah, it, it you're, you're minimizing the risk of, of a, 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 a big play and explosive play of giving up that, but they still allowed Jaron Hall to get out of the pocket anyways. Yeah. And so, you know, to me, I'm like, well, what are we doing then? You know, if, if, if you're not going to contain him, and, and like, obviously that's kind of the breakdown, right. Is, player executing the the contain and and all that like there was a breakdown there but man like for me just let these guys get after it man you've got some dudes on that defensive line you've got some athletes they aren't lucky foe too they're not you know these guys in the past but they're their own type of athlete let them get after it and and let them create havoc i think this is a group that can still do that um i would just love to see it more like that's that's where i'm at with that defensive line they they wore down as the game went on and that's a big concern. Uh, BYU was smart and played a lot of tempo, which didn't allow Utah to kind of substitute as, as frequently as we're used to, um, you know, especially with the depth that they have at defensive tackle guys just kind of wore down and, and, you know, those two and three yard runs in the first half became four, six, eight yard runs in the second half with Algier. And he's just, you know, he's just falling forward for an extra two, three yards because guys were so worn down and that part too comes back to you know, the offense and all that. So, um, you know, the defense, this, you know, uh, for against San Diego State, I hope that we we get to see this defense, um, you know, be more of what we saw against Weber State, where the defensive line was just aggressive. They missed some sack opportunities, 
but they still generated 28 pressures. They got after the quarterback. They created havoc. I think for me, um, you know, I just, I just want to see more aggression, more, um, more, I don't want to say freedom, like freedom, isn't it just, just aggression. I just want to see more aggression in the play calling in their play and just get after the quarterback, get after the run game and just, uh, you know, just attack. That's what I want to see. Yeah, well, they're not going to have to worry about a mobile quarterback against San Diego State for whatever that's worth. Um, They are a power run football team. They try and run it down your throat. The quarterback's okay. He's not great. I don't think he's all that mobile from what I've been reading. uh, so, so they should be able to kind of pin their ears and just and just get after it, especially if they can force San Diego State and the Aztecs into some some third and long, second and long situations where it's pretty pretty obvious passing down. Uh, pin your ears back and and let loose and, and go have some fun, make some plays because yeah, it just it just didn't feel right. You know, watching the game, there was something off. It just wasn't clicking. Yeah. But the vibe, and I wasn't at the game. Um, I decided to not have to deal with the traffic in the end. But smart um, call. Yeah, Smart. the Edward Stadium <laughs> traffic is horrible. Anyway, um, it's something, something just didn't feel the, the the vibe on the sideline too. And I think this is a, yeah. a worthy conversation, Steve, quickly to have is when and I and look the home the home crowd played a big role. But when you looked at BYU, even just watching it from the TV, I mean the BYU sideline seemed to be bouncing, you know. And there was like there was yeah. like this excitement, this energy that was that was kind of willing the guys on. And then you. You know, pan over to Carl Whittingham or, or the Utah sideline, just like flat, like oh, yeah. SHI beep. You know, we're in, right. we're in some strife here. You know, just and I don't, I don't know who's at fault for that. It's probably all encompassing. Everybody's involved, but but even when adversity hits, I think it's really important to to have a mindset that you can overcome adversity, like regardless right. of what you're faced with. You know, and Utah certainly didn't look like a team that felt like they could they could overcome what was ahead of them against BYU anyway. And that look, it's not a massive concern at this point in the season, but you know, it could it could prove pr- pretty pivotal as the season goes on uh, and and tell us more about the mentality of this group, which is which is a really important element when you look at like successful sporting teams across multiple sports mentality is really really um effective when used correctly so um, you probably i'm sure noticed that as well being down on the sidelines steve oh yeah yeah no it was it was definitely noticeable and like this is this is it like the last week everything is now under the microscope with this team right like that's how bad of a performance it was or or bad of a showing it was for utah football that we, you know, we're questioning everything, offense, defense, emotion, right? Like game plan, everything is under the microscope now. And, and so, you know, Saturday is so important in so many ways to see how this team responds. Because, you know, last week can be, it can be the type of game that, you know, guys beat themselves up over and and allow it to carry into the the following weeks or it can be a game where you know the 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 troops kind of rally together and they they come closer together they uh they buy into what coaches are are preaching a little bit more they take more ownership of mistakes of film of doing more to to better themselves because they're they are just so sick of what happened last saturday 
this San Diego State, this this game is so important in so many ways because it, like you said earlier in the show, Tom, we're going to learn a lot about this Utah team in this game more even than what we learned, you know, last week. Like this game uh, is is so important for for the rest of the season and in what this Utah team can be. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm right there with you. And 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 the last point I'll make before moving on to to the to the next topic that I have. But um, if Utah comes out and performs admirably, performs well, you you know as a fan, and this is really important, that the, the leadership on the playing side and on the coaching side is sufficient. And if Utah's, do, if Utah's going to do what, um, what they hope to do this year, win, win trophies, you know, win the Pac-12 or, or, or seriously contend for... Um, the Pac-12 by winning this out. They have got to have leadership, not just from a coach's standpoint, Steve, maybe more importantly from a player's standpoint, because the younger guys, they look up to the older players. They don't necessarily look up to the coach all the time. If, if Utah comes out and plays well and 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 puts on a good showing and, and can overcome San Diego State and move to 2-1 on the season, it should give Utah fans hope that this is actually this is a, this is a stronger team than maybe we we thought at, at the start of the season because what they endured a week ago in Provo that's heartbreaking um, that'll rattle yeah. the cage really quite a lot and for them to overcome yeah. that focus all of their attention on their on this this upcoming game against San Diego that tells me you the fans that this team's committed that this team has leadership and with those two. The, the, those two attributes alone, this team could, if they can figure out execution, which is obviously another big, big role, but but if, if they can figure out execution, this is a team that can contend. I, I truly, truly believe that. On the flip side of that, Steve, if they come out flat, big alarm bells. Yeah. Massive yep. alarm bells. So that, yep. that, that's kind of to reiterate your point about learning about this football team. I mean, all-encompassing, this is... And I get it that San Diego State may not be as talented as BYU, uh, but this is a massive, massive. I mean, the the game last week caused such mess around Utah fans that there is conversation now, Steve, that I'm sure you've seen, suggesting whether or not Carl Winningham may be contemplating retirement for crying out loud. What is yeah. that all about, Steve? Yeah, those damn those damn Pac-12 analysts, man. They're they're out there. Uh, yeah, you know, it's, there's, uh, so there's nothing to it, right? Like I haven't heard that. Neither I'm sure I. you haven't heard anything about no. that. So, you know, just putting that out there, make it you know nice and clear that there's been no talk of the sort, but like, honestly, like they were talking about Kyle Whittingham. Um, is this a rival podcast? Like where did this start? Uh, it's, uh, I think, what is it? The no truck stops podcast. I've never so heard of them. Yeah. <laughs> Who are these people, Steve? The No uh, Trucks Podcast? Yeah, No no Truck Stop Podcast. They're getting free advertisement here. Uh, I expect a check in the mail. Uh, uh, Make it two. So, yeah. So, uh, but no, like, are they just fans? Just, Who are they? Are they, are they yeah, so they're, they're just fans. They're just fans oh, that got no. together. They started a podcast, and that's all it is. It was just speculation. And, you know, the unfortunate thing here is somebody that writes for Trojan Wire, you, like USA Today or something like that, like somebody 
caught wind of it and wrote an article and it became a bigger deal than it ever was intended to be, yeah, which, boy. which is just unfortunate. Um, so super sucky that some USC site picked it up and ran with it and wrote something about it because I don't think, <laughs> I don't think they ever intended it to be anything more than just, you know, speculation. I will say this though. Um, Carl Whittingham is looking more and more like uh, Sylvester Stallone. Like there yeah. is something going on. He's a fine wine, old Carl Whittingham. Oh, yeah. He's, bloody, he's, he's, he's always been pretty ripped, uh, or at least ever since I've known him. I heard he was quite large and, and, uh, and round um, back, in, <laughs> back in the Sugar Bowl days. But, yeah. um, but he's always been pretty, pretty ripped and chiseled. Uh, but, yeah, he, he's, he's kind of aging nice. He is pretty mellow. In press yeah. conferences, he's always kind of been like that, though. Uh, right. There are some there are some weeks where he's pretty chirpy. There are other weeks, most weeks, I would say, where he's just pretty mellow. What what has the vibe been like around the facility this week? You've obviously what what, what what's what, have you not been up there, Steve? Uh, I was I was unable to to attend the media availabilities this week. Um, oh, I was okay. actually I was there I was there Monday, and so Monday was kind of interesting because that was the first their first day back on the field right they get sunday off and they're back on the field and and so uh you know seeing the guys after practice um pretty pretty i don't want to say mellow but pretty somber mood uh, you could tell that these guys were um you know pretty pretty impacted by the loss and it was you know if you're a fan and you're you're worried that you know it was it was the type of mood that okay they they felt that and you know Britton Covey talked about it um, uh, in his media availability that, yeah, you know, you, you want a day like today where uh, it's, it's pretty somber, pretty mellow, pretty, you know, a lot of humility, I guess, you know, guys being a little more, a little more humble than, than they normally are maybe. Uh, but you put that behind you, um, and you move forward. I wasn't able to get up there on Tuesday, so I don't know, you know, what the vibe was like on Tuesday, but Britton Covey said, you know, Monday night that, yeah, today was, was pretty somber, but we got to get back to, you know, being that team that, that those guys with the energy, having fun and, and being confident, having that swagger back. Um, and, and he talked about that and needing that again. So you know, I wasn't up there on Tuesday. I don't know, you know, how, <laughs> what the, what the vibe was like, but That's uh, right, it was too. pretty somber on Monday. Yeah, I bet. Uh, I won't hold. We we will not hold it over your head, Steve. The fact that you couldn't get up there for one day, how dare you? Um, uh, all right, and we, and we kind of put a bow on this this podcast. This is sure. this is where this is kind of my my, my final thoughts. Um, I, I think I think Steve, and it's important to say I think either we learnt kind of what Utah is in twenty twenty one last week. All, all, all the Utah football season starts this week. I, I think it's one of two ways. I, I don't think there's really any in between. I think this is either just a good team, but not a great team that'll likely win five, six games throughout the regular season, throughout the Pac-12 slate of games, you know, make a bowl appearance and be be okay. Or this is actually, you know, this is the wake-up call. What, what, what occurred yeah. last week was the wake-up call. And from here on out, they go on a tear. Uh, maybe they'll. They, I'm sure they'll lose a, a, at least one one Pac-12 game because uh, it's incredibly difficult to go undefeated in the Pac-12. Um, but maybe this is where the season starts. So at least that's what I like. That's what I like to think. That's how I like to think. That's the optimism coming out of me. And I, I sure hope that the wake-up call that they experienced last week 
uh, was was just what the doctor ordered. Even at the time, even though at the time I should say it, it felt incredibly hurtful and painful. Um, you know, maybe, maybe this would, maybe this loss kind of becomes when you look back on it as the best thing that could have happened to this group. Who knows? Right. I don't know. We'll find out. But um, but that's how I'm kind of looking at it. I still think, and I know you agree, this team's got a lot of talent. The coaching staff is 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 well suited. You know, they've been around for a while. They're experienced. They they understand the game. So so look, I I, I like to think that that Utah's going to be just okay. Uh, but a massive game and a big test early, which will be fun for fans. Do you have you had it? Have you given a score prediction? Do you do you do that, Steve? Are we gonna we should we should like start doing that. <laughs> Yeah, we we probably should do that. Um, I haven't given it much thought. Neither uh, have I. But, but uh, I would hope to see something in the range of 30, 30 to, to 14, 30 yeah. to 13, 30 to something like that. Um, something along those lines. I want to see a team that, that comes out both sides of the ball, ready to get after it um, and all of that. Because I, I do think, like you were saying, Tom, that, this, you know, last week can be a game that it's it's as crazy as it is to, to talk about a week two game. It can be a season defining moment, you know, uh, week two loss like that, um, like we've been talking about alluding to throughout the show. You know, this team can either, you know, whittle from it or they can come together. They can go through the fire, you know, the refiner fire. This is a, a young group that still is is fairly light on experience. They've got to learn. They've got to grow, and they've got to grow fast. And I think you know that that loss last week is is going to pro- pro- provide that refinement, maybe that this this team needs. Hopefully, anyways. Like this is all best case scenario, um, and this team you know kind of rallies together and and, uh, and puts their best foot forward uh, moving forward. The the team may be young overall, but the leaders are very experienced. Uh, right. Devin Lloyd is a true leader. He is who the defense kind of relies on. Charlie Brewer is as experienced as you'll find in the college game. Brent Covey the same. I mean, just those right. two alone on our so so there there is a ton of leadership on this group on this team. Even though the majority of the team may be underclassmen, may may not have a ton of experience, they need to they need to trust in some of those older players and, and follow their their guidance. Uh, and if they can right. do that, and if they can execute uh, come tomorrow evening, then then I think we're in for for a pretty fun season. But um, but we'll have to wait and see. I, I'm I'm agreeing with you. I remember um, Carl Whittingham when I played, and I do believe he said this in the media. But but he's 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 under the opinion that in today's day and age, you, you need like 28 points. If you're going to go yeah. 28 points week in and week out, you, you're in. You get you're going to be in a lot of games. You're going to be in just about all the games. If you can't put up 28 points which Utah was not able to do obviously a week ago, then you're going to, you're probably going to struggle more often than not. So, so I always, I kind of, I use that as a measuring stick. And I think, yeah, 30 to 35 points should be gettable for Utah. And boy, if it look at the, the bottom line with San Diego State is if you stop the run, you stop the, you stop the, the Aztecs. Right. It's not rocket science. So, so, you know, you play press man on the outside, you stack the box, you force them, you know, into third and long situations, and then you can play some more zone or whatever you want to do and, and try and get them off the field that way. But I don't, yeah. I don't, I can't, I don't foresee, you know, San Diego putting up any more than maybe 17 points on Utah, two touchdowns and a field goal over the course of the game. That's kind of my best guess. But, you know, like I said at the top of the show, Steve, crazy things have happened. There's a reason why yeah. millions upon millions of fans across the country love this game. 
of college football, it's just because you never know. You just never know. You can't expect it. You can't. Yeah, it's crazy. It's fun. It's cool right. to cover. Uh, are you going to be in Carson or are you watching from home? I am. I uh, will be flying out tomorrow morning. So I'll be out there. Uh, pretty excited for this game because it's played at a soccer stadium. Yeah. So that should provide a pretty unique feel and vibe to it. So I'm uh, I'm kind of excited to get out there. Yeah. What's I, what's I can't remember the name of the stadium now. Oh, it? it's it's like a five name. It's like a yeah. five word long stadium name. It's some Dignity Health Sports. Oh, Dignity Health Sports Park. Cafeteria Arena yeah. or something like that. It's no, be- beautiful stadium, Steve. You'll, you'll yeah. really enjoy it. But uh, the beauty of, of playing at a soccer stadium, one is the Aztecs don't have that many fans anyway. They probably couldn't, you know, pack a 30,000, 40,000-seat stadium. So this is like 20,000, I think, and yeah. it'll probably be rocking. But there's not a bad seat in the house. I say the same right. thing about the professional soccer team in Salt Lake City, Real Salt Lake. I say, if, even if you're not a soccer fan, you need to go because you, you, can, you can buy a ticket for like 20 bucks, enjoy a beverage and get some food, yeah. and you'll have a good view. Yeah. Like, even yeah. if you're in the nosebleeds. You're in the right. yeah, it's great. Soccer stadiums are yeah. great. So anyway, um have fun. Please travel safe. Uh tell Kendra is Kendra going? She's not. No, she's no. not. Just mm. me. I'm flying uh, solo. Oh, you naughty boy. <laughs> you stay you stay controlled, please. Uh all right, my man. Hey, we'll we'll talk Monday or Tuesday, next week's episode. Sounds good. Uh, we'll try to get up early. We may have a date at uh, Nate Wade Subra. I'll have to fill you in. Anyway, this conversation's going on the podcast and should have just been between you and I. We love our listeners. We appreciate them. We obviously love Nate Wade Subaru at sbattle247 or at tomcarnhackett, utone.com or kslsports.com. There you go. See you guys. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen.